Welcome to The Straight Cut. My name's Steve Garland. I am Aaron Shuttleworth. And we are coming to you from West End Cigars in Little Rock, Arkansas. Back for another episode. You ready, Aaron? I am ready. All right. This week we, uh, we're smoking Archetype Cigars, um, and we've got the Strange Passage, um, one of my favorite from Archetype. It's one I've smoked quite a few of, even though we haven't had them that long. Um, it's, it's a great cigar. Yeah, yeah. It's a, Like you said, it's a newer one that we've had, um, but it's probably been the one I've smoked the most of next to maybe the fantasy series yeah this one's definitely been uh, in my top tier yeah and uh the reason we're smoking these is because we have a special guest mr aj costa here to uh grace us with his presence good evening how's everybody doing <laughs> what's happening so you tell us a little bit about this cigar aj so this was one of the uh one of the cigars from ventura that we did about three four years ago maybe about three years ago uh, it's actually made at the Davidoff Camacho factory in Honduras. It's an Ecuadorian Habano, and then Honduran Corojo in the binder, and the filler is multi-country blend. So we have several different Habano kind of mixtures on the wrapper itself um, between all the different archetypes. This this one's a bit more spicy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably medium, medium plus. Nothing's going to kick you in the teeth nicotine-wise, but uh, definitely... Uh, complex as it, as it gets going. I really like the short robusto size. We have a uh, short robusto, a robusto, and then a gordo. It's a like uh, box pressed. So it's yeah, and that's nice. the size we're smoking. Yeah, you guys are smoking the robusto, right? No, the uh, the gordo. Okay, got you. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like it uh, from a really primary color standpoint. People will say it's the green label mm-hmm. from us, right? Um, remembering all the different uh, names sometimes is hard for a newer company. And so they'll say, oh, I like the red label, the green label, whatever. And then we kind of break it down and tell them the name again and what the, which one they're smoking and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been nice. You guys have taken off with it here in Little Rock. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been good. So we actually just had um, an event tonight um, with AJ and Archetype Cigars and uh, went pretty well. So Yeah, I think so. We had uh, a bunch of five packs, ten packs. Uh, a couple few, boxes. Yeah, we popped a few boxes, a little yeah. mixed box group going on. Uh, we gave away a couple different humidors that we offer from Ventura Scar Company, and then also a few different ashtrays, raffled off some hats and uh, lighters and cutters and that kind of thing, a couple of little cigar journals that we do. So it was nice. Yeah, it was a good crowd tonight, too, actually. Everybody was waiting around for that yeah. for that raffle, and uh, the owner, uh, y'all's owner, Brandon, was like, uh, should we go ahead and do it at r- a little bit after 8 o'clock? And I was like, I think so, because I think everybody's actually waiting for the <laughs> raffle. The whole thing was you don't really have to be present to win the big stuff. But yeah. The little stuff, you know, you could just we just passed on and kept moving. But the big stuff, we had to be there. You didn't have to be there to win. And so everybody was pretty excited to figure out what, who was going to win what. So. Yeah. What do they call that humidor, the big one? The cube. The cube, essentially. Yeah. It's like a big yeah. geometric cube. It kind of looks like a what you know i think the matrix would look like in personified kind of form right <laughs> uh it's just this offset uh geometric cube that uh doesn't the top doesn't have a hinge to the humidor which i really like because yeah it's unique um, it's unique but also from a like seal standpoint you're not having to look at you know two points on two more points all four points go down at one time with yeah. the weight of the lid and then there's two trays that sit on top of each other and they sit on top of uh a uh, little kind of indented piece of wood on each side. It's like a bevel. Like a bevel, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, there's space for like another, you know, 40, 50 cigars. Yeah. So it's really nice because it looks like this cool cube thing. You don't it looks really, like a piece of art. It doesn't really look like a humidor to me, except for the fact that it has a nice big silver circular uh, labyrinth A for the archetype logo on top. That obviously kind of gives it away that it's a branded piece of material. That's one of the coolest logos, though. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, obviously I had nothing to do with it personally, uh, but you know, having to live the brand out is nice in a way that you have something that kind of that has some legs to it, some yeah. you know, unique personality as well. And so uh, more people know about the cigars from an archetype standpoint than a Ventura cigar company, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, which and that's kind of the way they they want it. Ventura is more of the parent company, and you know Archetype and Psycho and the other stuff we do, Slaughterhouse and the mini series. They want that to kind of have their own uh, legs between the different brands. So, how long have you been with Ventura? Two years. Um, this week, actually. Wow. Uh, the awesome. End of, this end, end of the next week will be two years. Uh, 
Yeah, I started with the company uh, in 2017, and I came from Calibri for a little little bit over a year before that, and uh, I had a lot of states with Calibri, and uh, out of Texas. But uh, we started. I started on this side of the business with um, Phillips and King, and it was we were they were trying to figure out the the branding and the archetype of that kind of stuff. And earlier this year, we kind of switched houses or umbrellas, as I like to say, from Phillips and King over to Cretech. So uh, that's been a nice change. Got a lot more power behind us and went from a distributor model to a manufacturer model. And, you know, they kind of worked on things from uh, the top down, revamping some of our programs, some of our people, obviously our staff, and then also just how we go about, you know, the processes of the company too. So it's been nice. Yeah. So is that, was it technically like a new company or are you still under the same umbrella? Or the same under so the same Cretech company. owns everything. Cretech owns Tobacco Business Magazine. Yeah. Cretech owns Tobacco Plus Expo. Uh, Cretech owns uh, Phillips and King, which is the largest distributor of tobacco in the United States. And Cretech owns uh, Ventura Cigar Company as well. Uh, they also own some proprietary brands. They're the sole distributor of Dejarum, uh Clove Cigars, the mini yeah. cigars, small cigars, I should say. If uh, anyone from the government is listening. And then um, <laughs> they're also the sole distributor of the Jeep as well, the lighters, little soft flame lighters you'll see at everybody's POS up front. And uh, yeah, so they have a lot of proprietary products, Fast Fill, that's, that's our stuff. And so, um, and PK Guardsman, you'll see that a lot in places. Yeah. So they're just a, a massive outlet for, like a, the P&K, they really say they're a, the tagline on our, on our uh, emails and on our, when I was on that side of the business, and our uh, voicemails was your your one-stop shop for all your tobacco needs mm-hmm. and that's in a lot of the branding and the marketing and it's true i mean that you could open a cigar shop just dealing with phillips and king yeah just have your hands in everything i i, I joke that it's a sleeping giant people don't really <laughs> see it coming you know just all the entities are pretty separate yeah you know, they don't necessarily i don't know the folks from tpe per se i don't really know the folks from tobacco business i know who they are but we don't you know chat and we don't send emails about stuff uh, so they, they're doing their own thing, and that's how it should be because it's kind of separate. So, yeah. uh, um, But it's nice to work for a massive company that's still basically family-owned. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Yeah. yeah, so you guys are still owned by the same company, just a new branch of the company. Yeah, so Ventura yeah. just basically moved umbrellas, like I said. Uh, yeah. So it went from a distributor uh, model over to the uh, manufacturer side of the business, yeah. Well, tell us, uh, tell us what we're paired with here. So we're paired with one of my favorite rums. It's uh, Brugal or Brugal, uh, 1888, <laughs> which is their, this is, I'm kind of reading off the bottle, uh, this is their uh, Doblemente Añejado, which is a double-aged uh, rum that they do, and it's got the signature, um, I guess, thread on it that kind of crisscrosses around the bottle and wax bottle It's like a, a net. Yeah, it's like a thread net, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorites fish I had net. for the first time in, <laughs> what'd you say? It's fishnet. Fishnet, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fishnet rum, rum stocking. Yeah, this stuff's really good too. I'm a rum guy. I like rum. Yeah. Aaron, you're not. I'm not. I'm not a hard liquor guy Aaron anymore. Is, Aaron is currently struggling. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> cup of rum. That's true. I'll, I'll 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 get it down. I I do have a chaser of uh, Aquafina, so I'll that's I'll be, fair. I'll be I'll be a good. rum and water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it's it's uh you know it's it's sweet. So I'll I didn't ask for much, but I'll I'll drink this. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. So is is rum your drink of choice? Most of the time, or rum is my drink of choice. Most of the time, it used to be gin, and then I realized I was not a seventy-seven-year-old man. And <laughs> my so, wife <laughs> loves gin. She does. She yeah. drinks gin everywhere we go. Really, with a lime, and and I always that's, tell that's her what it, I used to do too. It tastes like a Christmas tree. I used to do gin with a uh, pull of the lemon peel. Yeah, just like they would like score the lemon and uh, the lemon peel, excuse me, and pull that around, drop that in a drink with a big rock. That's yeah. how I would drink it. So it was like. It's a not classy a, drink. Not even a dirty martini. It was just like a a, a ginny. You know, it was just like straight <laughs> gin with like a little bit of something else. We'll call it, was, it a genie. Yeah, like a genie. <laughs> Literally, it was a genie. I'll be, yeah, that's fine. I'll take that. Aladdin is my favorite movie. Sounds, I normally do. Like, yeah. If I'm drinking hard liquor, I like just vodka, tonic, no lime. That's just... That's just mine. Well, because it's like rubbing alcohol, huh? Yeah, I mean, especially when I'm like when I'm smoking cigars and stuff, I like it because it's almost like a palate cleanser too. And then you know, yeah. I like the non-lime just so it doesn't you know tarnish the flavors or anything like that. See, I do uh, rum with with a big rock and 
sometimes with a lime, sometimes without a lime. Just depends what the rum is. But the problem we have around here is that a lot of your restaurants don't carry nice high-end rums, right? That's not just here, buddy. That's everywhere in the United States. Most people don't carry good rum. I mean, yeah. in general. This was the last bottle of 1888 they had. And they had a pretty good rum selection, but most bars, just because of the nature of the turn of the alcohol and how often people buy it, they don't serve it. Everything's basically yeah. Bacardi. Bacardi, yeah. Eight-year-old, ten-year-old Bacardi, which is not bad rum per se, but it's not this rum. Yeah. Well, um, it, it, here you can't even find, like, the aged Bacardi. It's all, like, the the Bacardi white stuff, yeah. you know, that's, right. that's just, I mean, it, it's made for mixed drinks. And when I did drink, you know, harder liquor, I like always like Mountain Gay rum. Um, it's just a, a good, clean flavor for me. Yeah. Well, Little Rock does have a, a good rum bar. Um, so they at least we yeah. at least have one avenue for yeah. you know, getting rum here. Yeah, and some of the higher end restaurants carry some of the nicer yeah. stuff. Now it's, you tell me. Now <laughs> you tell. We, we could have been recording this podcast at the Little Rock's apparently awesome one rum bar, but that, that is also that is also cigar friendly too. I shouldn't well, mention that. <laughs> I wish I could cuss right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but eighteen eighty eight to go back to the liquor. Eighteen eighty eight. Uh, I had it for the first time in the Dominican, uh, working my first cigar job. We were down doing blending and box uh, figuring situation down in the Dominican in Santiago. And uh, we were out at Saga, um, a restaurant that a lot of people who have been the Dominican yeah. know about pretty well. It's a nice little steakhouse down there, indoor and outdoor area. And uh, I had Brugal there. We had a, Actually, I had Brugal the first time at the place before we went to Saga. But I don't know the name of that place or if it's still open um, in business. But... I had three of them back to back, and uh, we had a really, really great night. I didn't get home till six thirty in the morning, about four years ago. Four years ago, this past April, uh, no, this past February. Yeah, so that was a long was a night. Really, that was an extremely <laughs> long night. The owner of the factory, the owner of the company, um, yeah, the owner of the factory, uh, as a, of a well-known cigar company's factory today. Uh, me and him went out at. 130 together everybody left and he himself as like a 50 60 year old dude who used to be the international quality control manager for a very large company in Dominican. <laughs> uh just me and him uh went out and he grabbed a bottle of this 1888 and we ran around santiago for about five more hours he put me in a like an 87 Corolla and, <laughs> and he said hey make sure he gets home safe and I asked the guy if he was hungry and we went into uh, the drive-through of a McDonald's, and they didn't even have breakfast potatoes ready, so we got taquitos with fries. And uh, taquitos, I said, I want our McDonald's. At McDonald's, yeah, we had taquitos uh, at McDonald's. That's crazy in the Dominican. And uh, they he drove me up to Camp David, and he was going. If you've ever been up Camp David, it's a windy road in general, but he went. He had to go not just up the windy road he had to go left to right up a windy road because i think the transmission was as old as the car possibly (laughs) and uh we got up to the top and i was just super thankful that i didn't have to walk that as far as uh yeah no kidding with how much alcohol we had consumed that night it was would not have been a fun walk so yeah but camp david shout out to camp david it's a great place if you ever get to santiago and can afford that place, you need to get up there. It's not crazy expensive, but it's just one of those iconic places in the Dominicans, the highest points where yeah. uh, Dictator used to live and all that kind of stuff, and they got a lot of memorabilia up there, and it's just a great place. Yeah, I've seen some pictures. Oh, I've got I've got a picture when I was much heavier. Also, I was about <laughs> 280 uh, with a man bun. Oh, enough. my gosh. Uh, you can't see the man bun in this particular photo oh. that I really like, but you can <laughs> definitely see how lumpy and... Uh, Biscuits and gravy I look. Uh, hey, I love biscuits and gravy, though. You no, know, I clearly, I do, and I, I did back then as well, yes. Yeah. So uh, what did you do before you were in the cigar business? Everything. Uh, when I graduated from college, I, was, I graduated with a sociology degree in criminal justice, and I met a recruiter for the government, and I, was gonna, I took the uh, special agent exam for the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, well, it's just a special agent exam for the government in general. So I took that. I was like 22. I was a juvenile detention officer at the time, and I was gonna, basically going to work for ICE. I found out, and the lady gave me this the weirdest 
look ever because visually I am, I joke that I'm ambiguously brown. So whatever you think I am is what I am. So apparently she thought I was Hispanic, and I she knew I spoke Spanish. And then on my preliminary background check, she found out that I was actually Pakistani. And then she realized through, you know, a little conversation that I spoke uh, Urdu growing up. And so she was like, her eyes lit up like the weirdest Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Eid <laughs> tree you've ever seen. And it was like. Oh, I don't know. That's creepy, you know. And so uh, I went to the Dallas Police Academy, uh, took that test, uh, did all the background stuff for that, got in in about you know a couple weeks, and I failed out because I had issues with my ankle. So after that, I kind of did everything: sales, marketing. I was a recruiter when I started the cigar industry. In the cigar industry, the cigar job was my third job, and I was a recruiter during the day, and I worked at a bar on the weekends doing you know like work in the door. And it was the best job ever. Uh, made a hundred bucks a night for five hours, but I smoked cigars at the door. Nice. And it was this massive, like twenty foot door, and it was heavy as fuck, just heavy as hell. And I had <laughs> to open it up, like I had to check IDs and open the door. That was my. And when people came out, I had to open the door because it was literally it's that heavy. And so, like you know, new people or intoxicated people would never get the door right, you know. <laughs> and so all I did was smoke cigars. So like. The whole time, I'm, I'm just chain smoke. I smoke a cigar an hour. So I'm smoking four or five cigars a night there, making 100 bucks. It was, it was a great time, but I also worked as a recruiter during the day, uh, about an hour north in, the, in Houston. And then I started this cigar gig in, in the evenings, like one night a week. And it ballooned to like two, three, four nights a week. And I was doing uh, cigar sommelier, which is not a real term, but it it, it, it is sort of. No, yeah, it's it, becoming more regular thing. Yeah, the, like uh, Cuban, Cuban-esque is not a term, right? But it's it's right. kind of one of those vernacular. Retrohale is not a term, but it's become. Oh, retrohale is a term. We talk retrohale well, on but, here. But like, you know, like. Uh, it's becoming more than vernacular of it, cigars. Yeah, but if you ask a doctor, like retrohale is not a thing. If you ask, yeah. a, you know, an allergy specialist, retrohale is not a thing. So it's just exhaling through your nose <laughs> but you know cigar people say oh we gotta give it a name so cigar people say oh I, when I retrohaled I I tasted that note of honey and hey we do that pretentious stuff here citrus so. yeah we oh, do. I know you do I'm staring at both of your beards I know you do <laughs> you beautiful bastards yeah no but so uh, so I did that cigar sommelier thing at a very high end place in Houston that was uh, it's now closed it was super it was almost too high end right for Houston uh much better off in New York or Chicago, something like that, L.A., Miami even. Um, and so that just kind of ballooned to several nights a week and, you know, working till 11, 12 o'clock at night and having to be at a desk at 8 a.m., I was like, and then I'm still working. At, when I got off Friday, I would leave the job Friday and be at, you know, at 4, 5, 6 o'clock and then go to the bar at 9 o'clock. And so I just was over it, and I said, you know, I got to quit. And the guy offered me a job full time, and then I kind of realized I worked for him for about a year, off and on. Realized he was a charlatan of many sorts, and so it just turned into this whole uh, cigar industry thing. And I, my, in my mind, I was like, well, if I'm going to make the same forty or try to make the same forty, fifty, forty to sixty grand as everybody else in America, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of what that you know middle America is striving for. Is I'm at least going to like what I'm doing. So then I worked at a cigar shop in uh, Webster, Houston area, uh, greater Houston area, and I was the GM there from the beginning, 1,000 square foot humidor and, you know, a bunch of lockers uh, and a big, big lounge. And I was there for about nine months until I went and worked for Calibri. And then after I worked for Calibri, I went and worked for uh, one weekend. I went and helped out Nat Sherman at Smoke, Oklahoma. My buddy Brandon Luna, who's now with McAuliffe Cigars, shout out to them. The guy who worked for Phillips and King at the time was like, "Hey, you really like this cigar stuff?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "You're not even like working for a company this weekend. You're just here on your own." I was like, "Yeah." Side note: This is also when I didn't have a girlfriend, so <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> a little more free. Had a lot more time yeah. to like just say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll bounce around, and do that." So just kind of worked out, and uh, he I sent him his re- sent him my resume after that, and. I've been here ever since. So during this whole time, uh, like while you're in school and doing the training, doing the Homeland Security and whatever, were you a cigar smoker the whole time? Yeah. So I, I've been smoking cigars since I was about 19, uh, roughly. Um, my dad used to work at the Dunhill store in Houston. Oh, okay. He also had three jobs. He was an immigrant. Uh, he was a pilot back in Pakistan. 
came over here uh, just because he wanted to not fully enroll in the military over there. And so he came over here and he was like 18, 19-ish roughly. And he was in the he was in the military academy over there and he, they kind of gave him some freedom and came over here and never really went back. And uh, so, yeah, so I've kind of been, you know, unbeknownst to me really around cigars for a while. My uh -huh. dad wasn't a, a cig big cigar smoker that I remember. He smoked cigarettes, mainly high-end cigarettes, obviously. Yeah, all um, that Nat Sherman stuff. Yeah, a lot of the Nat Sherman, a lot of the old Dunhill, you know, yeah. those kind of things, right? And so, and I didn't really know a ton about cigars until I got a little older, and then I had a couple of cigars. And then, but when I was 19, I probably remember my, I, that was probably my first time that I can tell you. It, I don't know that it was my first cigar, mm -hmm. but I know that's the most memorable, probably, cigar I ever actually um, could pinpoint, right? Uh, but I was in Toronto, and I was smoking a Cuban cigar that, uh, Chinese, uh, culturally Chinese, not like, you know, generically Chinese Asian woman, but she was Chinese, uh, and she followed me around the store cause she was worried that I was going to like, you know, pinch and push all the cigars. And she was, she thought I was going to break them. And so she like followed me around and she's like, okay, well just get, get one of these. And I think it was a Cohiba. And, uh, I had that with, uh, a Mexican, uh, beer. I think it was a Corona extra, but I was sitting outside in Toronto at a Texas bar and grill smoking a Cuban. So I was at a Texas <laughs> bar and grill in Canada. A Chinese lady sold me a Cuban cigar and I'm drinking, drinking a Mexican beer and I'm drinking a Mexican beer. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a bunch of family in Toronto. And so I was like, man, this, this, uh, cigar thing is pretty, uh, multicultural, you know? <laughs> and I, I'm sure I felt very, uh, most interesting man of the world situation, uh, there. And I was like, yeah, I could do this, you know, but it wasn't really a cognitive thing. I, you know, I was, I was 19 and I didn't get into the cigar industry until I was 28. So I wasn't this, you know, master plan by any means. I kind of fell into mm -hmm. it. And the pace of the cigar industry is what I really enjoy about it. You know, I, there's no emergency particularly, right? Um, and also, it, at the end of the day, it's a luxury item that people don't need. Yeah. You know, we all want it. We're all lighting up a $10 bill at the end of the day, um, 5 to 15 maybe $20 bill. So there's a different part of, uh, you know, it's a con connoisseurship in a way of, uh, of life. And so I kind of like that side of things. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it's, it's what I've kind of gravitated towards. So what do you like about being on the road and going to different shops and everything like that? For me, it's the interaction. Obviously, you know, when you have loved ones in your life, it's tough to be away from them, right? And I have, like, a really super great girlfriend, and our dog is just not a dog. It's, a, like, a old lady. It's great. <laughs> She's great. So, like, you know, you, you miss those people. I think it's nice, you know, the, the like, the heart grows fonder when there's distance, yeah. whatever that saying is. I, I believe that 100% to be true, and I'm super independent. I'm an only child, and I grew up going to Pakistan at six months old, and we went, like, you know, once, twice a year for seven, eight years in a row. So I've been exposed to a lot, thankfully, at a young age, and so mm -hmm. for me, it's nice to continually be exposed to different things and different people and different parts of the country. Uh, I joke about, you know, Arkansas as a whole, not just Little Rock, uh, and Northwest Arkansas, which now I know are, are completely different, right? But when I came to Arkansas, I was like, I didn't really know there were things that were interesting or, you know, had redeeming qualities. I just, you know, thought it was kind of an armpit of the South or maybe a different, <laughs> you know, like, you know, North Louisiana, as they joke, right? Because my family's from North Louisiana as well. And so I was like, you know, you, you find these redeeming qualities about people and, and places and things and all these interesting you know, spots around the country that really, you know, they rival wherever you're from. And so it makes your part of the world no different than the place you're currently sitting in, right? So it's nice to be in those places and be constantly reminded for myself that I, I'm no different than the people I see every day. Um, and so on like a macro level, it kind of feeds my soul in a weird way, you know. Um, I don't think my company pays for that, but uh, that's definitely something I it's, it's like an intrinsic value I get out of it, you know, and you got to have some kind of internal motivation and there's some ego to do this job. You know, you got to get up and drive or fly, you know, multiple hours a day and then also walk into a shop and turn it on and, you know. Yeah, because you can't be off, you know, when no. you walk in the doors because your job is to get everybody excited about a product. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you have to have some, like I said, you got to have some motivation and some, in, you know, internal drive and energy behind you you know and, and, it, and a lot of people want to do this job and i think a lot of people should but most people can't you yeah. know especially on you know long term and i think there's a, a nice 
you know, I don't know what the time frame is, but I think there's a good balance of, you know, being on the road, being off the road, you know, and transitioning your career, um, you know, from a like an arc of a career standpoint. Yeah. But I think this is really helpful for the people who've been on the road before to then transition into other roles in the cigar industry, um, either whether that be management or marketing, branding, you know, logistics, whatever it might be, blending, you know, however it goes. I think that's really cool because the the bulk of this business is based on brick and mortar, one owner establishments and knowing how to navigate those relationships and those people and those consumers at that level across the country, whether it be Russellville, Arkansas, Fort Smith, you know, Bentonville, Fayetteville, Little Rock, Conway, whatever it is, you've got to be able to talk to those people and relate to those people to build some kind of a relationship, you know, whether it be at a trade show or in their shop, it, you have to be able to do that. And you got to be able to have that, you know, motor to drive an hour, pop out, sit for 45 minutes and have a cigar with somebody that you have little to no communication with throughout yeah. the year, you know, yeah. maybe four or five times, you know, you might talk to them 10 times total the whole year once a month you know roughly right you're not going to talk to these people twice a week you know it's not liquor it's not the liquor business it's not the fashion industry it's not those kind of things so it's not a regular retail it's still definitely luxury so uh regardless of where you are it's still a luxury business so arkansas isn't the only state you cover what other states do you cover no i cover uh texas oklahoma kansas and arkansas yeah a good a good chunk of you know south and midwest and everything yeah a good chunk of the country i used to have uh with this company i used to have louisiana and missouri and then when I was with Calibri, I started out with like two or three states, and then it quickly became like four, five, six, and nine. It's an interesting business too, because uh, the more you the more you take on, people are just kind of willing to give it to you too, you know. Because people, by and large, generally don't travel well, like yeah. as humans, you know. Most people want to be home, and they do really well and having have their set schedule and, and everything. And the routine yeah. schedule exactly. Uh, so it's nice. It's yeah. nice to be able to adjust to this easily and keep rolling. Yeah, you you got to be able to think on your feet fast because you know every day is the same, but every day's different because it's a different city, different town, different road work, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, different exactly. shoppies. You're gonna have you're gonna have you know high end shops to mom and pop neighborhood shops. So you have to you know know your clientele, know your business, and you know like you said, turn it on every time you walk into the door. Exactly. Re- read the room, pretty much. You definitely have to read the room. I mean, you know, you, you, and the shops and. I mean, this shop's a great example from blue collar to white collar. Uh, you know, you have, I've met guys in here that are, you know, long haul truck drivers. I met three guys tonight. And I've also been in this exact same shop and met, you know, local city councilmen. I've met state representatives, you know, and so people that work for the governor. So it's like sitting in this shop alone, you know, and so, and you got, you know, owner of the shop that, you know, used to be a police officer, you know. You guys all have a very different background based on what you guys have done before. It's not like, you know, the only thing you're interested in or good at. It just happens to be what you do, you yeah. know. And so it's one of those things for me, too, that it's not a – people are much more um, multifaceted than we give each other credit for. We like to lump po- folks into a box, I think. And so it helps us compartmentalize and relate better when you know that – when you think that you know people are – good at one thing and that's all they do right so yeah it's interesting well and you're really good at first impressions Um, me yeah no (laughs) (laughs) so when we met it was at the trade show uh the first year they had it at the westgate Mm -hmm. and uh i think lance introduced us um yeah we were at the bar Oh, that's um, right. I forgot yeah. that's where we met the first time. And so, like, we didn't, we, I mean, we didn't know each other. We weren't really no. doing any business with P&K at that time. No, no, no. But that's uh, right. just through that interaction, we end up coming to your booth later. Oh, that's right. And made an order with you. And then, yeah. I mean, just yeah, developed from there. Yeah, you guys did, like, a P&K order thing. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I forgot about that. Okay. And then even even with, you know, Ventura Cigars, we we didn't have your stuff for a long time. And you were still coming in and, and building it. Of course. Um and you're just a great guy so we've uh getting to know you we were like well you know we we got to give him a try he's, he's such a good rep we've we've got to we've got to bring him in and it's like i mean even before we brought your stuff in we you know we'd go to the Travs game and you showed up to the Travs game with a full box of cigars yeah just you know that's right hand, yeah. handing stuff out you're like not even people who's with our our crew and group yeah no we were at the baseball game one time and then because i was like in what world do do i live in that we can actually smoke at a baseball game where 
you know, it's a semi-pro, triple-A, I think it's a double-A. Double-A, yeah. Double-A here, right? And my cousin plays for some single-A, but top-tier. He's not in double-A yet, I don't think. Yeah, this um, it's uh, like single-A advanced league. I think that's what he's playing in right now, yeah. And uh, so I'm like, okay, that'd, that'd be cool. And, like, you could smoke at the game. That's kind of crazy. Weather's nice. Let's do it, right? And so then you get here, and the weather was nice, and you could smoke at the game. Like, that's a bucket list kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, people bring cigars to the – Ohio State game or whatever that mm-hmm. college game is, but they don't, they can't smoke them there. Uh, Alabama, that's oh, there we go, Alabama game. But they yeah. don't smoke, they don't smoke them there. They take them there and they go smoke them somewhere else. Yeah, to my knowledge, right? And so it's one of those things. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And so for me, it's also about life experiences, right? And being able to say, oh, I, I was able to do this at some point in my life. And then I'm sitting here one Wednesday night, and uh, Stephen messes with me. He's like, hey, what are you, uh, you busy later? I'm like. No, I'm probably just going to be back at the hotel, you know, or I might just be hanging out here at the shop. And he's like, you bowl? And I'm like, uh, not well. And he's like, well, we need a fourth because our, uh, our our fourth guy backed out or, you know, had some issue. And I'm like, all right. He's like, can you bowl? And I'm like, I, sure. You know, yeah, I'll be there. And he's like, okay. So we show up and I got to get, you know, registered with the Bowling League of America. USBC. Or, yeah, whatever that thing is. <laughs> AMA, USBC, you know, whatever. I'm a terrible bowler. I'm a much better uh, bullshitter <laughs> drinker than I am a bowler. And uh, it turns out, like, I, like I'm on there. I'm an alternate now on your bowling league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I've bowled with you guys now twice. And the, one of the other guys you bowl with, uh, I've become friends with as well. So it's for me. It's again. It's it's more about relationships. And it's not like I'm trying to be uh, a friend of one of your regular members to like backdoor to get into the cigars, you know, side of things, to be in your shop. Like, you guys would have seen that from a mile away, you know. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. What are you guys up to, you know? <laughs> and so it's that whole, like, you know, it, the relationships really are such a key part of this business that people really forget about that. They think their product can sell it or their deals can sell it or, you know, I don't have to uh, get to know folks. And it's like, no, you, you really do. And for me, it's more about, and maybe that goes back to, I, which I appreciate why my first impressions are good. I don't know. But it's more of those more like, you know, I, I got to find a way to relate to just be able to sit in a room. You know, like you said, reading the room earlier, just to be able to hang out and not sound like an idiot, you know, and know the scope of like, you know, why Arkansas is super in love with, you know, football. They, there's no professional football team. So like Arkansas football is like the professional team, right? Mm-hmm. So you yeah. learn a little bit, you know, you're kind of going back and forth. It's like, why? You know, people in Austin love the Longhorns so much. Well, there's no professional team, right? Like and why people in Arkansas hate the Longhorns. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's also true. You should actually hate the Texas A&M, but that's an SEC thing. Oh, Whatever. Man. You know, we won't We've go gotten want by them. We won't go there. Yeah. No, it's uh, – but, yeah, I mean, it all goes – to me, and I've and I probably never met a stranger. I could look at the walls in this room right now and ask them – you know, they, these guys painted you eggshell. What color did you really want to be? You know, <laughs> and these walls would tell me, hey, man, when everybody's out of this room, I'm going to tell you, just let every, wait till everybody leaves. And then, you know, about 2 o'clock in the morning, these walls going to be like, you know, man, I wanted to be green. <laughs> what kind of green? Like army green. Army green? Like 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 a deep khaki? Yeah, man, that, that would be freaking cool. This black and eggshell crap, I don't really like. That. I'm not down with it, you know. <laughs> so for me, like, I've never met a stranger. But I think it goes back to, like, you know, I was I – was, uh, um, exposed at a very early age, you know, six months, a year old, two years old, you know, trying to play cricket in the street with people when I'm four or five in Karachi. Like, I didn't know cricket. I didn't know how to play, but, like, I was bored. And I didn't want to be with, you know, 30- and 40-year-olds anymore, so I had to figure out what this sport was, <laughs> yeah. you know. like, So you just get, you know, culturally, you know, assimilated. I don't mean it's the wrong word, but you just get exposed at an early age. I think that's really helpful, and it's probably what more of the world needs. I don't know. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So you want to touch on the cigar? We're about uh, yeah. halfway in probably. Yeah, I'm a little further. Um, yeah, this thing's it's spectacular. You should be. You've been smoking. I've been talking. Yeah, exactly. Have you done a retrohale since we since we bashed on retrohaling? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the retro- Say retrohale is not a real word, but Smoklahoma is. <laughs> Smoklahoma with no E because it's like S-M Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, people always write the hashtag as S-M-O-K-E. L A, you know H O M A, and I'm like, no, it's S M Oklahoma, like smoke Oklahoma. Yeah. And so it's funny well, they, to look at Instagram. It's like all these hashtags are in the wrong place. You know, it's like <laughs> they're not using the proper thing. It's like, well, okay. Well, they have Rocklahoma too. You know, big rock festival 
Um, but they spell it like like that, right? Right. Yeah. Oklahoma, but they say it differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's Oklahoma with an R. Yeah. 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 It'd be like Roklahoma. Roklahoma. <laughs> That's not how you say it. Someone would yeah. be like, yeah. On the, can you imagine on the on the radio? Roklahoma. You're like, okay, I don't want to go to that. I don't know who's getting roped, but I'm not I'm not gonna be a part of that. I want no I'm not paying forty five dollars a day to be part of Roklahoma. So we are we are now uh the romper brothers. Romper situation. We are now romper brothers. It was uh romper was roadies a, uh, as they might as they might call us in Oklahoma. Yeah. There, there was a lot of legs shown tonight in, yes. in West End. What's that place in uh is it Conway, the Hillbilly Hideout? What's that place? No, that's Ozark. No, Ozark in yeah, Ozark. Hillbilly Hideout. It's the Hillbilly Hideout, yeah. I feel like it's more possible that, that there are there are rompers running around co-shared rompers running around <laughs> Ozark and uh the Hillbilly Hideout um with that guy when you walk in if you're yeah, in, yeah, if like you're from Arkansas <laughs> and you've been in Ozark the town of Ozark this this truck stop is called uh, Hillbilly Hideout when you walk in people take pictures of this like mannequin that they dress up in scary a different shit, way scary shit isn't it well so scary what, shit because the dude looks yeah. real and well, what looks they've done is when you come in the first door there's a bear right in front of you right so that's what you notice first right there's a bear and then, like, as you kind of... You turn the corner a little bit. You start bit. to look, and it's like, oh, my God, there's somebody sitting there, you know? <laughs> yeah, the bear desensitizes you because the bear heightens your senses, and you go, oh, and then all your guard shuts down. You take a nice soft left, and then there's this person <laughs> sitting on a bench scaring the crap out of you. You know, yeah. wearing, wearing red flannel in the middle of August, you're like, what's going on? What's happening right now? Who look, like, looks like the family tree has no you know branches. Oh, <laughs> that tree is a stump, buddy. I'll tell you right oh, now. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah and, in, and in like January, I think he was wearing a tank top and yeah. flip-flops. And I was like, I text some of you guys, and I was like, I think I'm no longer a visitor. <laughs> I might have to change some kind of like. P.O. Box address full full fledged to this location because I, I've been here. I've I've been inside of Arkansas. All right, so going back to the cigar. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to relate to the people of Arkansas. Like I told you, you got to be uh, first impressions on the podcast. I got to make a good impression. <laughs> full immersed. So yeah, full this immersed. thing starts pretty spicy. It does, and then it kind of mellows in the middle. Yep. Um, and the retro hail is so smooth. I I thought it was gonna burn a lot more. Yeah, no. On the retrohale, but it doesn't. Up front, if you, you, you don't really up front uh, do any kind of retrohaling because of the fact it's so spicy. So you're like uh-huh. kind of, you're, you're, you know, you take a step back from it, uh, which I normally try to retrohale up front just to see what people have, you know, try to make the first impression uh, about the cigar. But as it goes into the second, third, it's, it mellows out and the retrohale really becomes rich nutty you know it's really nice i i i really like that cigar i prefer it in the short robusto than the gordo or the or the regular robusto but that's just me and yeah. i like smaller platform stuff yeah, so with that retro i get off also a little bit of like the <clears throat> like a roasted coffee-esque yeah a little bit of earth and everything but i do get that spice at the tail end of it nice yeah. like uh like a mixture of white pepper black pepper i always go back to it you know at the end of the day like somebody like charlie Minato has has a great palate because he's been exposed and he's exposed himself to all kinds of different foods and drinks and alcohol. And that's he's, uh, Charlie from Half Wheel. Charlie, yeah, Charlie from Half Wheel. He's he's had he's tasted a lot of different things. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you may not you may never have had actual real black licorice. You may have had like you know crappy black licorice. You may have never tasted mossy oak, right? But if you've had real peaty Highland Scotch, you know that's what that's what that's like. Yeah. If you've been in a forest and you've sat on a mossy log, right? Like you know what that smells like. And yeah, most of yeah. our most of our palate comes from our smell anyway. So people are always say, "Oh, you never get mossy notes or whatever that is," right? Well, you may not from a taste standpoint. Nobody's ever licked a log or like that, right? In Ireland, <laughs> well, most people. Well, yeah, fair enough. Most people. <laughs> Aaron but, may have at one point. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying Charlie's licked a licked a log in our Ireland, but it's one of those things. Like you know, you definitely what you've been exposed to is what you can pull from, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about this in, in a previous episode about a tasting wheel mm-hmm. um, and how we like to use that when we smoke cigars to kind of help us pick flavors out. Cause sometimes you taste something, you don't really know what it is until you, you until, see until it that and word you're comes like, out. Oh, that makes yeah. total until sense. Later, right. Yeah, exactly. This, this tastes more like peanut than it does cashew or whatever. 
Right. You know. And we I had a guy come up uh, Thursday night when I was here working and saying that he just got done listening to the episode and he's like, man, that, that episode was awesome. You know, I really kind of opened it up to everything. You know, seeing that tasting wheel and it does it does open another door of, you know, I'm tasting this, but now I actually know what I am tasting and it, it, yeah. it does. You know, it's you can you can smell it, but you just don't know what it is, what that flavor profile is. But then you see it and it does open up yeah. a whole new whole new window of everything. So another question uh, we like to ask everybody, you know, you work for Ventura, you sell, you know, Archetype and everything, but that's probably not the only cigar that you smoke. Right. Um, what other cigars are in your top general list of what you really enjoy? I really enjoy Fuente. Um, some of their stuff that I can age a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like their smaller platform stuff. Um, let's let's talk just a tad bit about the aging. So um, a lot of people will buy cigars yep. um, and age them immediately. Yep. Um, which well, is fine. It's your cigar, right? Do yeah, what you yeah. want with it. But to me, it makes more sense to smoke it then. Yep. And have a reference for later. Right. And yeah. so... That's why I buy two. Yeah. Well, I've, I'll buy four or five, well, right? And fair. I'll smoke well, one have, immediately. You make, you make more money than I do. That's No. True. No. <laughs> Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> so you, you smoke... Better, sorry, you have a better discount than I do. <laughs> that's, that's fair. You smoke one then um and then you smoke one six months and then a year and then two years and then five years or whatever right everybody's got their definitely section so do you have like a point where you say okay that's too much age does it depend on the cigar there is there is too much age i've yeah i've maybe the only person that would admit that i've sold a cigar from 1901 with no papers uh I have found cigars in an estate sale with that first job that I was talking about that were La Polinas from the 1930s. Wow. I've sold, um, procured and sold cigars that were uh, Cuban of a Brazilian Brazilian brand, I think they were, or something, and they all look like um, like little parejos. They were basically all, like you know, just um, tapered at both ends, you mm-hmm. know, kind of uh, round in the middle. And... They all taste like paper, every single one of them. The La, the one from uh, yeah. the La Polina from the 1930s tastes like paper. Uh, the one from the 50s and the 60s tastes like paper. I've the ones I've had were some pre pre embargo Davidoff Cubans, uh, and you had to retrohale every single puff to get anything out of it, and then it was also super delicate at that point. So yeah, I mean for me it's it's one of those things you don't I don't really. I don't believe there are any special cigars. I'm not smart enough to know what the year-to-year varietals and crops taste like. I'm not in a factory at that level, right? So at least not yet. And so I don't, I don't, I, I think I have a good palate, but I, I can't, you know, pick those things out. And so to me, there aren't special cigars. I just, I just actually smoke what's there. Um, I've, I've not posted and smoked probably more cigars than I will ever be able to talk about to remember that people have never heard of. And I'm fine with that. You know, like there's no point to like brag about the cigars you've had, even though that was probably like a really soft, humble brag right there. But it's one of those (laughs) things, you know, like nice name drop, bro. (laughs) What am I going to do? Like tell, if I didn't have any, if I didn't have any extra cigars to give you, it doesn't help me to tell you about some crazy cigar that I had from the 1930s that, you know, also didn't taste like anything. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, you know, for me, like, Fuente, I like some of that stuff, uh, and I also like a lot of the Casa Fernandez stuff right now. They're they're making some really phenomenal stuff for themselves and other people, and, um, you know, between um, Melillo and, um, you know, Gellis' stuff, I really enjoy that. And then I'm just a, a big fan of uh, Mike and Skip's stuff as well. They're they're good friends. It's uh, uh, or, or I'm, but I'm, I'm ha- I, they're my friends, right? So, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, obviously I, I joke, but I think they're also, I'm, I think I'm their friend too, but, uh, <laughs> they're, they've been like mentors for me in the, in the business and, um, just the meticulousness that they do with stuff. And, um, I, I'm a big fan of the Lonsdale size and they have some really, and then any kind of like short, you know, half Corona or like short Robusto, I really enjoy. And they do a lot of those sizes really well. Yeah. for me and they do this uh brazilian apa apparatica araparica i may be butchering that but uh it is late here uh so uh araparica i think is the word is the term but they do 
something with that that I don't think other people blend really well from a uh, rapper standpoint, and that just hits my palate personally. And to me, it's you know, the people love the banker, right? By H. Upman, and I would pass on that cigar ten times out of ten. And some people really love it, right? So, it to me, it's just all about what hits your palate and what you yeah. know grooves with your. You know, I basically drink rum and coffee and water and like nothing else. So for me, it's in well, sparkling water, but like you know, for me, it's like. Those are the things that hit my palate well. Yeah, I, I cannot stand sparkling water. It really? tastes like the soda machine is broken. Oh, I love sparkling yeah, water. That, that's, you're not wrong. That's my favorite term, by the way. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just don't get the appeal of it. But I drink a lot of Diet Mountain Dew, um, probably more than I should. I also, I think most of the world doesn't get the appeal of that. So yeah. we're about six and six on that. No, yeah. I mean, that's I mean that's like one of the top-selling sodas in the world i would love to do in the u.s that. probably i think no I, I think anywhere it's probably not no it's uh, one of yeah no diet mountain dew <laughs> yes there's you no know, way I, hey i would love dale earnhardt jr is the diet mountain dew man well, he's paid I mean, to be the diet mountain dew no man. he used to drink it before that ah diet mountain dew i didn't know, i didn't know you and dale were on first name basis i know yeah. somebody knew that, that. me and date. old uncle dale i know somebody that went to high school with me she's a model now we are not in touch another nice humble I've, brag by the way i follow <laughs> her on instagram uh i don't think she follows me but uh she dated dale earnhardt, earnhardt jr and i can i can and will ask her if he drank diet mountain dew before the sponsorship <laughs> we need, i'm not saying she'll answer but i will ask hey we, yeah we'll, we'll need that for the po for the post show yeah that's my that's yeah. uh that's like aaron's uh romper thing if somebody sends a romper i'll wear one yeah <laughs> Uh, well, and and if she, I, if she responds to my direct message, I will uh, I will share. We'll get you back. We'll get you back on the next episode. Or on the next episode, that's we'll it. Let you know what they say. So speaking of the romper, um, I posted a picture of Aaron in his romper already. Um, we'll post the one of uh, AJ on our Instagram and our Facebook. I was also like halfway in that thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> a, pretty. Funny. It was a snug fit. Partial man. partial uh, romper uh, post. Yeah, Aaron has actually <laughs> lost. Um, much more weight than I have, uh, and it's if you don't believe that Aaron has lost the weight he's lost, just look at me in the romper, uh, because Aaron before uh, maybe a year ago, and then yeah, me yeah, right yeah. now, I'm like halfway, um, well probably three quarters of where Aaron was and where he is now, because he buttoned and zipped the romper, and I <laughs> and tucked and, and tucked. Don't forget tucked. And, and he also tucked. I'm not gonna talk about tucked. Hang I could have. Well, yeah, there was a lot of tucking going on. I could have zipped it i i can guarantee that i could not have buttoned it did it have a fly um, like regular pants it had, it, it had so a little it, fly. Like, it like zipped up to about maybe navel yeah so well, you wouldn't like pee on yourself maybe your navel and then because you guys couldn't get out of it not no, by I ourselves to, i, I mean i barely got out of it so i so before coming up here tonight for some dumb reason i put it on at home and i was by myself no not a dumb reason it's because you like it. You like <laughs> no, the way it makes I you want, feel. No, honestly, here, here's what it is. I put it on with because I was wearing a shirt. I wanted to make sure that it would work with a undershirt on, um, and I wanted to make sure I could zip it up. So <laughs> I put it up. Hit you with that George Lopez. You liked it. You liked it. <laughs> so, I, so I put it on. It took me 20 minutes to get that damn thing off. I mean, oh. I was. Hey, don't lie to us. We know Mo <laughs> really loved it. You had to stroll around, around in it a little bit. Clean, yeah. clean the house. But it was funny because like, I, find, I finally mat. got it off. <laughs> trying to get out of that thing. My shoulder. I, I was wondering, like, this is. I, there was a Why didn't somebody grease me up before I got in this <laughs> thing? There was a point I was like, is this what it's like to be a magician and try to take off a straitjacket? Because I just could not get my shoulder past. Because, like, you know, when you finally put it on and it's time for you to take it off, you know, I, I'm in the hallway and I hear this. Aaron, <laughs> I was like, "Hold on, I gotta gotta go peel this thing off of him." Well, un- unbeknownst to most people in the world, I have a much wider back and shoulder frame than people give me credit for. Uh, mainly because I'm such not an odd thing. Well, <laughs> you're not wrong, but uh, I'm also not that felt. So, where you can see that, right? Notice oh, that goodness. in my uh, sport coat attire. But I was like, Aaron. <laughs> Eric! And I was like, and he's like, he looks down the hallway and he's like, oh, you need help? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Bring yourself here quickly. Oh, good. But I, like I said, I'm a man of my word. So I wore it. People took their pictures with me. Uh, some people were like, wow, you have tattoos way up there. I'm like, yep. <laughs> and trust me, they keep going up. Like the, the, uh, the short stop mid thigh, they, they continue on. 
but it was uh <laughs> so again thanks to you know listeners out there for oh it was definitely entertaining me out there aaron but. looked down took one look down and goes wow you're a lot hairier than i am <laughs> i looked at him i was like talk about his legs yeah <laughs> just th- to be clear thanks thanks buddy yeah you're not wrong <laughs> so now so we, now we just gonna need to get steve in it i mean trifecta no it's not happening it would actually fit you though Probably, but I'm not putting it on. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to catch me in it. I think that's unfair. Why? I didn't promise that I would wear it. I said no to the million-dollar question. Are you you in the circle or outside the circle of trust? (laughs) Let's get you in the circle of trust. (laughs) There's nothing about the circle circle of trust trust. that says you have to wear a romper. As long as we have consent. (laughs) Well, you don't. It's it's, uh, 2019, (laughs) buddy. As long as we have consent, we're okay. So since we're talking about the question, before we get to the question, let's wrap up on the cigar. Um, we're coming up to the last third and everything. Yeah, I'm getting down. Uh, I just took the band off. I'm getting down pretty far here. Um, it's ramping up just a tad bit more again. Not much, but you're getting that kind of, you know, quintessential Habano flavor out of it to me. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. Um, this is something I, I've smoked a bunch of. We'll continue to smoke yeah. just because it's so smooth. So of, of the archetype, archetype lines, uh, which one do, do you you know venture to the most? Which one do you like? Probably the Strange Passage, Short Robusto, and also the uh, Sage Advice. Okay. Uh, I really like that. It's a hybrid uh, Negra San Andreas and Habano wrapper that Davidoff lets us use. So they basically, I call it, they GMO'd mm-hmm. a wrapper put two seed varietals made into one because they like to get nerdy and they have the money and the time to do that so the cloaks is one of my favorite cigars uh made by oliva and so uh but they do uh the fantasy miniseries for us and we have a new cigar coming out by ernesto perez carrillo which i'm really excited about so uh that'll be at the trade show yeah so i'd say i'd say next to this one my favorite um that i've smoked the, the most of so far is the uh the curses. I really like that one. I like the spiciness of that one. I yeah, probably, I probably got barley. five or six of those in my humidor, humidor yeah. at home. I mean, yeah, those, yeah. those are really good. I really yeah. Like those them. three in that fantasy series are my favorite of the stuff you guys make. Yeah, I would agree. They they sell really well. I wish we had line extensions on the sizes. Yeah, that'd be nice. I think it would be really helpful. Uh, See, to me, that's perfect. I love. I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm a short smoke guy. I like robustos. I like. And those are true robustos. They're like. They're all a fifty. Yeah. They're not a fifty-two, fifty-four. Yeah, fat robusto, you know, robusto grande fifty six. Yeah, none of that cute stuff. It's a fifty. Yeah, and it's a five by fifty. They're all five by fifty. They're cabinet box. They ride really well on the shelf for from a retailer standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why they do so well for folks. It's like you know they take up less space. Um, the boxes are cabinet size and style, and so it, you know they they just they bang out really easy. And nine bucks or you know here I think they maybe a little bit more, but uh, yeah, they work really well. But the, the artwork across the entire line, I think, really sets those apart. Yeah. Well, it's different. We don't have heritage brands. Yeah. So we don't have Oliva, Cas Fernandez, Padron. Yeah, the you old know, traditional Fuente. style. We don't have tradi- there's, there's nobody, like I always joke, there's nobody's name because they were exiled and they, you know, um, they ran away from a dictatorship. There's no family that a guy made cigars and has passed it down to his kids and his sons and his daughters. And so we are, and you know, admittedly, it's not we're not hiding anything, right? We are a company that has great relationships with large tobacco companies, and long-standing relationships to where we're able to have cigars manufactured at a high level and at a high quality, and so we're able to create our own brands and our own marketing behind them. And so all of our marketing is very different, very cutting edge, um, and new age, if you will, right? So it's that you know old world and new world kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know so for me it's it's exciting because you don't really also from a rep standpoint just a generic rep because that's basically what I am. I don't have to find two cigars that I can smoke in our portfolio that work really well for my palate. Yeah, I I can smoke a cigar from a different factory every single day of the week. Yeah, yeah. and that's really helpful uh, too from from a selling aspect. And and touching on the selling aspect too, I mean, it's like it's like judging a book by its cover when you see these with a certain band on it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it definitely catches your eye because of the color. Like we're having, like you said, the green label. I mean, right. how many other cigars can you think of off the top of your head that have like a neon green, you know, band well, like this few. on the foot or whatever? I mean, Well, I'm I tell not, people all the time, when someone comes in and asks you, hey, what's the one with the tree on it? Yeah. Hey, what's the one with the dragon on it? Yeah. 
What's the one very that looks distinct. The, the, the Frankenstein looking face on it, right? <laughs> like that's funny and like that's you know it's it's humorous in a way, but it's also it's distinct. But it, 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 it's exactly in your brain. from a marketing standpoint, you need to stand out these days in yeah. in the world in general, but definitely cigars. You know, you ask, hey, what's that one with the flowers on it with the lady? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's seven, right? I mean, we get that all probably, the time. I mean, you could. Li- I mean, I had a guy when I worked the shop. He said, hey, what's the one with the with the car on it, and uh, it's got buildings in the background. And I was Let me like, get my portfolio out. And I was show like, you every what? Hand. And it was the Via Habanas, right? But I mean, I didn't know that off the top of my head. I had to go walk the humidor and find it. And I was like, oh, off the top of my head, I don't really know what you're talking about, you know. But it was one of those things like that it just reminded me like everything is you know Cuban style or you know uh, floor flower flores kind of thing, right? It's like you know. I had, tough. I, had, I had one one time to come in and said, I'm looking for this one. I don't know what it's called, but it had like a brown and cream uh, band on it. I was like, jeez, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like, throw me a yeah. bone here. Yeah. yeah. I could literally make you a, a, a to-go five-pack with five different companies. <laughs> yeah, it's like, here, I'm going to get, get you a mix and match, yeah. All right, so you have not had the opportunity to play Million Dollars Butt yet. I have not. You saw, you, you got to see the... Uh, the the ending of a million dollars but with me wearing the romper and everything yeah i did yes so this last week our our million dollars but question i thought was gonna be unanimously no and it wasn't so the last week's question was uh every time you lick your lips a charity loses fifty thousand dollars and they know they know you're the reason and so we thought immediately everybody's gonna say no this is a clear no okay and it was not even close. And what, really? what what I have found out, like I even texted Steve today. I was like, our listeners are ruthless. Like they were like, give me the money. So it's like, all right, yeah. you know what? At this point, I wanted to have an e. I I wanted to try to get an all no answer. I've realized I'm not going to get. Gonna I'm not going to get an all no, no answer. I mean, it's going to have to be something so outrageous we can't even record it. Yeah, um, yeah it needs to be polarizing. Yeah, and it's, like, well. it's so so now it's just to the point of like, all right, maybe we can at least get a fifty fifty and get that. But the game is called Million Dollars, but um, it's by Rooster Teeth. MBDGame.com. So this week it's going to be interesting. We'll see. I already have in my head what I think a lot of people say, yeah. but we'll see. So I I don't know what these are. Yeah, so he doesn't know. I, I'm the only one that knows the questions. I pull it out. You know, you see the big stack right here. I just look through there and see. So you have a you know two cards, and you just kind of mix them out. Oh, yeah, I see the MDB-branded uh, game situation going on. Okay, go ahead. So it's kind of like uh, uh, Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, same for thing. sure. Same, same yeah, aspect. Yeah. Um, Never have I ever go out and yeah. get it. Okay, but... With a million dollars, never have I ever worn a Had romper a that dollars? someone else worn. <laughs> well, I lost that, or I won a million so, bucks. I don't really know. So, yeah. so just like I had to help you out of it, Marielle was here. She came up tonight. She had to help me out of mine, and she was like, "Oh my god, it's wet." <laughs> I was like, "I'm a, it's like it's hot outside, man." What are you? So, tell me right now, after you wore that, and it was wet. Did you wash it? <laughs> I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> he had it on here. You put it on 30 minutes later. <sighs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we're Romper Brothers, man. I'm scrubbing myself <laughs> when I get back to the hotel tonight. <laughs> I, I, wore, I wore my tightest compression shorts. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Go to, the, go to the question. All right. question this week is million dollars, but every time you take an elevator, you get a paper cut between your fingers. Ooh, and I get a million dollars. Yeah, so you just get one million dollars one time, one time only. Dollars. But every but time you now, every time I take an elevator, I get a paper cut. From now on, between the webbing of your fingers. I I think the for me the answer has to be no, because uh, it's not a hundred million dollars. Because in the last <laughs> week, I've taken the elevator. Probably a dozen times. I'd say probably with being a rep, you're in a lot of hotels. A dozen times. You take my, a lot of my hand. I actually cut my. Um, if you look at my left thumb, it's kind of sort of healed up. Uh-huh. I was trying to take apart a Jeep lighter in Oklahoma City, and I joked. I smoke Oklahoma. No, no. This was <laughs> earlier this week, and I joked. I said we're gonna laugh whenever we in five years after we get out of the hospital tonight. That you know, I went to the hospital because I, I jacked my finger up. He's like, no, no, don't joke like that. Forty-five seconds later, 
my knife skipped off the Jeep lighter, which is apparently indestructible, by the way, <laughs> uh, and right into my thumb. And for three days, my thr- my thumb is still pretty sore. It's healed up, but it's like, you know, I can't imagine. No, the answer is no. no. I'm not taking the money because I, my hands would be raw. And uh, and my mother actually has like really bad um, skin stuff, like she, or he, her heels will split. Oh uh, yeah, dry. And so like I yeah, I can't imagine. And so I can't. My answer is just no, no, absolutely not. No, I don't want the money. If it was a million dollars a year, I'm in. But a million dollars one time, I'm out. What I would you? take it and just start taking the stairs. Like, you don't go nowhere. <laughs> No, go nowhere. It wouldn't be that. You don't go nowhere. No, stop. You ride your bike 100 miles around Little Rock. You don't go nowhere. That's why you take the money. You don't go nowhere. You and the wife, where'd you go to? Where'd you, you went hiking last month? Where'd you go? Tell me where you went. You can request the first floor every time you're at a Holiday Inn. No, you're never going to. What did you do? I stayed at Holiday Express last night and saved my million bucks because I didn't get any paper cuts on my freaking fingers. No. You don't go nowhere, so the answer is no. It You're going to w- take the money. It would not be that hard to take the stairs. Unless you lived in a, a, a high-rise apartment or your your company was in a high-rise building, it wouldn't be that big a deal to take stairs. I mean, even in the hotels you stay at, you're talking, what, maybe three, four flights of stairs at the most? With a backpack and, t- and a bag or two? That's not that big a deal. You get the, you know, the bellhop to help you. Again. You don't go nowhere. <laughs> so you, so you would take, you would take. Yeah, the money. I'd take the money. Yeah, I would you take got a soft I, shell Patagonia. Yeah. You got a soft shell Patagonia bag and go up two flights <laughs> of stairs. Everything's fine. Get out of my face. Take well, a million you, dollars. You're gonna run. I'm coming over to your house because you got all the money and you're making me biscuits and gravy because I'm poor. <laughs> well, you just learn to pack differently to where you have your bag for the night for the hotel, right? And so you only take your backpack. That's cute because I've only ever seen you in jeans and a black. Shirt. Just, so I wear other End, things. Okay? It's just you. I don't believe it because I haven't seen it. You only see me at work. No hashtag. I don't believe it because I ain't seen it. <laughs> I'm taking the money. That's it, you, we should probably take the stairs anyways. We'd be a lot healthier. Be a lot easier to ride 100 miles if I took the stairs every time. Be a lot easier True. to zip up that romper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Aaron, that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip of my rum. Um, I take the money. Yeah, give, give it to me. Um, I, you know, I'm a carpenter. I cut my hands every day. I think something. AJ's the only person that would say no to this. But you don't go anywhere. I go, That's I go why. Dollars, I, AJ. I, I my building. So I live in a three story, uh, you know, Walk place. Up. Yeah, yeah, but we have an elevator. Okay, but I take the stairs either way. I didn't either. know you had an elevator. I always take the stairs when I'm at your house. <laughs> yeah, Jerk. We have an elevator. He was like, uh, forget the million dollars. Why have I always taken the elevator? I've never taken the elevator. So, so on a little side note, when we're moving in. I didn't realize that we had an elevator till after I unpacked everything out of the moving so truck. So you should take the money because your simple brain doesn't think to look <laughs> for the elevator anyway. It's on the, it was on by the, default. It was it's on, on the, the other side of the building. It was on the other side of the building. I'm on the east wing. Again, elevator was on the west wing. Again, you don't go anywhere, so you don't need well, even in you that, can take the money. Listen, I've moved a bunch. And even in that case, it's easier to just take that stuff up the stairs than having to go all the way around the building. Um, that's true. Yeah. Well, I've I've decided more directional. Other than like, if you were taking a washing machine or a refrigerator or something, which you're in an apartment, so you're not right. So, well, I've I've decided. You know, when we do move, I'm paying somebody. I'm not moving again. Yeah, it might it might be worth. So my girlfriend and I moved in together in the fall. She was adamant about movers. I've never used them before. She had much more stuff than I did. I basically just had clothes and shoes, (laughs) and I offset the cost of moving uh, because we I. If I went in on the movers, the extra stop didn't cost us anything. And so I could help her basically, like, in my mind, it's split it in half, right? Yeah. Uh, without, so she didn't have to pay, you know, 800 bucks. She paid 400 I paid 400 We moved. And it was the easiest thing I've ever done. Shout out to three men movers, three men in a truck movers, whatever that is in Houston. Phenomenal. And I will only use movers in the begin- in, from, from here on yeah. out. I'll pack it all up. I can't pay somebody to do something that I could do. Well, okay. Well, you're also uh, not 33 years old. I'm 30. Oh, I thought you were younger. (laughs) Are you 33? I'm 33. I'll be 34 this year, yeah. I'm 35 in two weeks. Oh, you guys look so young. (laughs) What What am I doing out here? I look like... 
<laughs> the problem is I've looked like I was 35 since I it's was all these elevators you're taking, bro. Yeah, you're right. It's all these elevators I've been taking, yeah. Because I'm always going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. I'm bunch of bullies. I'm ta- I'm taking the uh, I'm taking the money. Yeah, I'm taking that money every time. All right. So next week we're gonna do um, kind of an interesting episode. Um, we're actually gonna do um, the first ever the straight cut live herf. So what we're gonna do is have um, you know some listeners up here um, that that will be here while we're recording. Um, we're all going to smoke Perdomo cigars, mm-hmm. um, and we'll give them some opportunity to possibly ask some questions or, or comments, things like that, um, during the episode. So a little different format, um, something we wanted to try to hopefully turn into um, like at least a yearly thing. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really cool. Um, so we're all going to smoke Perdomo cigars. Um, we'll smoke different stuff. Um, we'll kind of talk about all the different blends and things like that with each person. So yeah, because there's, um, there's something for everybody in, yeah, in the Perdomo. Yeah, line. it makes some great stuff. It's, it's, I believe it's our top selling company at this point. Um, we we sell an absolute ton of them. We've been down to the factory multiple times. So really cool uh, company and, and great cigars. So we're excited about that one. That's, that's our plan for next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, and we we got uh, you know a lot of listeners out there and should be uh, real interesting and you know, like you said turned into a, an annual thing well hey jay we appreciate you coming buddy hey thanks for having me man it was a great night uh all around yeah the event and the podcast we appreciate that very much all right well we will see you guys next week later <laughs>